Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Morning, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you. My name is Tim, and with Rachel, we uh, have the joy of being the pastors here. Also want to say welcome if you are online. Hope you're having a great Sunday. And very excitingly, we're live streaming to Gastry South. So let's give it up for Gastry South. Woo! Gastry South, raise a shout. We love you. We hope you're having an amazing Sunday. And uh, we're so excited to be joining together today to share something around vision. Now, there's a song by the composer Bert Bacharach called What the World Needs Now. Does anyone remember it? What the world needs now, join in, is love, sweet love. Hear yourself, it's the only thing that there's just a little of. That's probably enough for now. Some of you are loving it, some of you looking a little bit amused. Never heard that one before. I've been thinking about that song, and I was trying to remember, I heard that song in a film, and I was trying to think, what critically acclaimed, amazing film was it that I heard the song? I had to Google it in the end. Do you know what it was? Austin Powers, <laughs> which is also a classic. But it's a question I found myself reflecting on the last couple of weeks. What does the world need now? As a church, we have a vision to be light for the city. And we've talked over the last few months, particularly in in March, we had this thing called Above and Beyond where we communicated the vision and invited everyone to give and to be a part of it. And we talked about these three key things. We spoke about love your neighbour. Love your neighbour is the way as a church we help people and see uh, that communities can be strengthened. And there's a few key things we're doing with that. We're trying to alleviate people in poverty or on the edge of poverty. We're working with children in care or families on the edge of care. And refugees, asylum seekers and new immigrants were seeking to get alongside and to help. And it's amazing. It's amazing what God is doing through Love Your Neighbour. Just a few highlights. Uh, We provide now on average 1,100 meals a week through our food bank and community shop. Our community shop at St. Luke's means that for just three pounds, someone can have their weekly shop. Uh, with Carmel Coffee, it opens up a space for people to connect and hang out. And a guy called Brian, who lives in the community, said this, it just sees us through the week, the community shop. The staff are lovely. We come early. We have free cups of tea and coffee and we sit and chat. We're all struggling in life now with different things. And to come here, I just love it. Beautiful. We are on average working with, standing with 55 families through Stay and Play, through Kids Matter, through our partnership with Safe Families. Again, Millie Ferguson, who is one of the people who works um, Colmore and with Lovely Neighbour, she, she sent me this, and we're allowed to share this with permission. She said, one of the grandmothers from the community brought in her grandson, who was 10 years old. His grandma asked me to pray with him. A few days before, his dad had been shot and killed, caught up in gang violence. Understandably, he was really struggling, especially at school, and had lots of questions about life, football, and God. I mean, a man after my own heart. We spoke about God as a father, how he is his heavenly father, who's always with him and will always love him with an unending love. 
We spoke about gifting, why God has gifted Ronaldo and Messi. And we prayed God would show him his gift and help him to be like Ronaldo. We spoke about what Jesus did on the cross and what it means to live your life with Jesus. The young boy decided he wanted to live his life with Jesus. We prayed and gave him his own Bible and he gave his life to Jesus. It's one of the most raw, stunning encounters. Later that night, I received a text from the boy's grandma to say he'd been reading his Bible all night and was so glad he became a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, that you're at work. Through our debt centre, 93 debts have been relieved. Through, um, well, actually this one, someone wrote in saying, I've been in debt for most of my life and it's exhausting and very stressful. But thanks to CAP, I can finally see a light at the end of the tunnel. I contacted CAP through a link that the job centre sent me and it was the best link I've ever followed. I now am very happy and hopefully soon I'll be debt free with CAP's help. We have seven people that have completed our employment courses and our job club is seeking to help empower people and find them work. Again, a guy called Andrew wrote this, I've been suffering from social anxiety and have been out of work for four years. I previously had a bad experience of work that shattered my confidence. At job club, we chatted about what I wanted to do rather than just finding the first job possible. I have Asperger's. So I was looking for a workplace that would really understand my gifts and the additional support I may need at times. Together with the job club manager, I went on a visit to my current workspace, thought it was great and felt at home. I applied for the job with my updated CV, interviewed and got the role. I've now started my job and I am loving it. Again, isn't that amazing? Just empowering and encouraging people. Lives are being changed. And they're being changed because of Jesus, but because of you, because of our generosity, our willingness to serve and to give. Back in March, above and beyond, we said that 10% of what was given would go uh, particularly towards helping those caught up in the situation in the Ukraine. And I'm really excited to announce that one of the ways we're using that money is we've just employed a refugee hub manager, Mickey Drever, who is awesome. She began earlier this week. And we're now actively working uh, and seeking to work with Ukrainian families or people who found themselves in Birmingham from the Ukraine alongside other refugees and asylum seekers. And I just spoke to Mickey this morning. She was at St. Luke's and she said, there's so much to get caught up in and so many people connecting in and so much that is happening. So we're so excited that again, our giving can really reach out and help people who've been through the most awful of circumstances. So that's love your neighbour. We also keep talking about our vision to plant churches and new locations. And we want to do this because it's a way of reaching new people with the story of the life that can only be found in Jesus. And we're so encouraged to see what's happening at Gastric St. Luke's was there this morning. Beautiful what's happening there. Uh, we're so excited about what's happening at Gastric South. Again, cheer if you're at South. Um, amazing. Over 100 people are gathering there now each week. To, to worship and to pray. Uh, over the last months, they've seen 16 people make a decision to say yes to following Jesus. And just a couple of stories. This is from someone who says, my life was anything but calm. It was chaotic and filled with darkness. I battled with so much anxiety, depression, complex traumas. 
Although I've been a recovering addict for seven years, temptation got the better of me last year. And I picked up a drink as things got too much for me in my personal life. I drank for that one evening in the summer, crying myself into each sip, pleading and calling out to God to help me. I felt so ashamed the next day and feared that all the effort I'd put in the last six years was wasted. An ex-partner had connected with Gastry and they introduced me to church. I began watching Gastry online before attending Gastry South earlier this year. I'd listened to the talks, often feeling like it was about me. The Lord has shown so much to me through this challenging season about His faithfulness, steadfastness, love and promise. Just recently, I've given up smoking and Jesus is working on my anxiety. The friends I've made at South have been amazing. Mike, the pastor, has helped me more than he knows. I finally found a place I belong to. I love my church family. I love Jesus. I can honestly say and believe that I'm a child of God who's deeply loved. Isn't that stunning? Isn't that stunning? But not only that, People who've been disconnected from church are coming alive in their faith. One guy writes, although I've always considered myself a Christian since moving to Birmingham 15 years ago, I had not attended church regularly and would admit that at times faith wasn't a particularly active part of my day-to-day life. Since Gastry South launched, my family's been totally reinvigorated. And sorry, my faith has been totally reinvigorated. Um, very different things. Um, I'm exploring and engaging with my faith in ways that I've never done before. Everything from Bible study to fellowship with other Christians and now serving on teams on Sundays. We love attending Gastric South as a family. My daughter loves Gastric Kids and we're thrilled to be part of such a positive, welcoming and growing church where we continue our journey in faith. So what God is doing at South is beautiful at St. Luke's, but we also have this vision to plant. We've planted a number of churches over the years And in January, Katie uh, with her husband Ed and a team are going to be planting Christchurch Summerfield in North Edgbaston. And it's going to be an amazing adventure. You know, this area is amongst the 10% of the most deprived areas in our country. And it's an incredibly young demographic. Nearly 50% are under the age of 25. So we're so excited as Katie heads out to be a part of seeing God's kingdom come about bringing hope in Jesus' name that God's going to use them. And a team is growing, but you might think, I live near there. I, I, I want an adventure. I want to be a part of this. We'll talk to Katie afterwards. We're going to be talking more about how you can get involved. But we're excited to reach new communities by church plants. And then the third thing we talked about was children and young people. And again, just to update you on where things are at. We just long to see children and young people drawn into the heart of the church, being awakened to become a revival generation, a generation that is largely now absent from the church. And we're so blessed that over our three locations on a Sunday, we have a hundred children attending and involved We're now regularly working uh, with local schools. Uh, Recently, 
Um, we recorded a song, Worship for Everyone recorded a song with a local school called Love in Action, which all the children uh, were involved in and recorded and just beautiful to see that happen. In August, we ran a holiday club, 111 children over a four week span came. And, and these children were only eligible to be a part of it if they received free school meals. So for that month of August, we could feed them, we could love them, we could play with them and hang out with them. Just an amazing opportunity. And then uh, Gas Street Youth, who've just left us, they've gone off. But 96 young people have signed up this term. And we're really seeking at South, Gas Street South and Gas Street St. Luke's to increase our youth provision. But God is at work. And I'd love to invite up Simeon, hopefully he's still here. And Augustus, is he here? Woohoo! Let's give it up to Simeon, Augustus. Okay, Simeon, do you, I just... So Simeon, um, you were attending, um, you attend youth, but a while ago, you had a really bad football injury. You really bust your little finger playing goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, just tell us about what happened to your finger. Well, I was at NCS, if you know what NCS is. And it was... No. <laughs> tell us. It, it was like... And look at the camera. So because we... you're going to be a YouTube <laughs> sensation. <laughs> We were playing uh, football just for fun. I was the keeper and then a person like blasted the ball at me really hard, which hit my pinky and it was swollen badly after and I couldn't really move it. And then I went to youth and then... Which is what you said, your mum, she's a medical? No, my mum's friend is a, like, a nurse. So we went bandaged to their house and yeah, got it bandaged. And Sorry, so you're at youth? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, I get prayed for, well, I wanted to get prayed for, and then, uh, so Gus put, my, like, put his hand over my hand, and, uh, well, my hand started to feel really warm, like kind of a heat when you stand close to a fire, and I just, I took my bandage off, and I was moving it, like, again, and it was great, and I couldn't feel any pain, and it was just like it was never even there. Amazing, amazing. It was great. So good. So just stay up here. So, Augustus, just tell us. So, you were there helping with the young people that uh, was it morning or evening? I, I don't know. Wednesday night, say. Um, yeah. So, from your point of view, what was going on? Um, good morning, everyone. Um, I need to kind of give a bit of a backdrop uh, before that. Um, I knew a kind of about God and that God can heal. Uh, shameless plug. I, I, I had written a book. And there was a time when I was diagnosed with a, a really serious condition and God had actually healed me of that condition. But there was a time when, uh, where I'm coming from, I'm coming from the streets and God had began to speak to me about who he was calling me to be, uh, what he wanted and desired for me to do in my life. Um, Leading up to Simeon, I had been invited on two separate occasions to, to preach. And God had given me a word of knowledge about someone that was in the audience that they had a condition in their stomach uh, for specifically eight to ten years. And when I asked who that was, a, a gentleman raised his hands and said that was him. 
and uh, I prayed, I, I released healing. And he came back two weeks to the service, went to the doctors, and uh, they couldn't find no signs of this condition in him whatsoever. Uh, the following couple of weeks after that, uh, I was preaching again, and um, the Lord told me that there's a lady that was uh, dealing with suicide, and it was that severe, it was causing severe migraines. And when I asked who that was, the lady came forth, and the Lord had completely healed her. So by the time I've now come to Gas Street by the invitation of uh, Pastor Tim Bateman, um, Max was uh, leading youth, and uh, Simeon, uh, he had this injury. And I I've understand that we have to stand in a place of authority. We, we have to, when God has given us gifts, we, if we do not use them, it's a dishonor to God. So I'm, I'm totally excited now because I've already seen what God has already done on the past two previous healings. So I know that God's just about to demonstrate his power once again. So I, I see Simeon and I began to uh, pray for him. I asked him to hold his hand out. He holds his hand out. And I just uh, placed my hand just above his, not touching his hand. And I began to declare the word of the Lord. And I literally felt this heat and fire. And Simeon's hand began to shake. And his fingers literally began to lock out. And Simeon was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, the Lord is literally healing you. Amazing, amazing. And Augustus, um, thinking again about those at South, as we're starting youth provision there, why are you passionate about young people? There's a scripture in Matthew that says, uh, Jesus is going to um, call for the disciples. And uh, in one of the verses, it says that the people sat in great darkness, but he became that great light. I'm an ex-gang member, and so for God to now turn my life around um, and, and transform my life, place uh, different things in my life that can benefit, we have to be that walking testimony. We have to be that walking billboard that states in the earth that Jesus Christ is real. Yeah. We have to be that billboard that declares that we are going to snatch our youth from out of that darkness and bring them into his marvelous light. Gas Street, can I just declare to you right now that you are going to be a place that will snatch people yeah. out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into his marvelous light. Augustus, Simeon, thank you. Now, I know everyone is going to want to sign up and join the youth team now, but there are other teams we also need people to serve with. But it's just so encouraging what God is doing. And so thank you. None of this would be possible were it not for you giving and serving and praying. But returning now back to Burt Bacharach, old Burt Bacharach, what does the world need now at a time of national mourning, 
a time of so much uncertainty, a time of financial squeeze and pressure, so much loneliness, so much division and injustice, so much pain, things that we're seeing in Iran and we're going to be praying for Iran later because it's just awful what's happening. We want to pray that God would be working at this time but also in Pakistan and in the Ukraine and other places around the world. What we've seen in Leicester, it is concerning. But what the world needs now, I believe, is to know the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. And in a world that is obsessed with stars and status, it's time for us to rise up to be shepherds, to be shepherds, to love, to care, to demonstrate kindness and compassion, to gather up and to protect those who are lost, those who are in need. If you read through the Scriptures, the word leadership is barely ever used, but the most defining metaphor for leadership in the Bible is that of a shepherd. Abraham, Moses, King David, they were all shepherds. And when Jesus walks the earth, what is it he proclaims in John's gospel? He says, I am the good shepherd. And I want to look briefly at a passage of scripture. It's the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark's gospel. You might be thinking, what has this got to do with Jesus as the good shepherd? But bear with me. But before I jump into this scripture, you need to understand some of the backstory. Previously, uh, what has happened is Herod, the king has gathered a banquet. And at this banquet, he's invited all the wealthy, all the rich, all the noble. And they're drinking wine, spirits are high. And in a moment of kind of, I guess, exhilaration, he, he asks his daughters to come and dance in front of all of these men. It's really creepy and awkward and horrible. And so his daughter starts dancing and, and Herod is so grateful, he's so impressed with his daughter that he says, you ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And so his daughter goes and speaks to her mother and she says, bring me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so John the Baptist, Jesus's beloved cousin, is murdered at this banquet held by Herod. And we need to understand this because what Mark is doing in this scripture the feeding of the 5,000. He's contrasting the leadership of Herod, a bad shepherd, with the leadership of Jesus, the good shepherd. So let's read together. Mark 6, going to start at verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran out on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. 
And they said to him, that would cost us more than half a year's wages. Are we to spend that much money on bread and give it to all of them to eat, you moron? It's kind of got that tone, hasn't it? The disciples like, Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves. He broke the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. So after the horrific beheading, murder of John the Baptist, all the disciples, they begin to gather around Jesus. In fact, we read that lots of people are coming and going because this is a traumatic thing when a family member, particularly in a Middle Eastern culture with shame and honour culture, they'd be like outraged. Right, what are we going to do in response? How are we going to seek to take revenge against this wrong? Often there'd be pressure on the family to respond with violence. And John the Baptist was a very popular grassroots prophet. He was getting traction. He was going viral back in the day. And so things were set for a revolution to rise up against the Roman Empire. And so people are thinking, they're gathering, is this Jesus' moment? He's been saying that He is the Messiah, the one who's going to lead the people of Israel, the Jewish people, into victory, lead them to rule and reign forever, overthrowing an oppressive regime. And they're thinking, is this the moment? Is Jesus going to trigger an uprising? Is He going to overthrow and confront Herod? Was He going to agitate for a regime change? What does he do as the crowds flock around him? We read, when Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. His response in the midst of all the chaos and the pressure and the tension was compassion. All around us, we see a world who are like sheep without a shepherd. There is so much confusion. So many are alone. So many are lost. And it is our call, our responsibility as the people of God to be shepherds, to demonstrate the love of the good shepherd in the way we serve people, in the way we care for people, in the way we draw close to people. Pope Francis he gathered all his clergy and he, he said to them this, a shepherd should smell like the sheep. A leader should smell like the people they're leading and serving. And Pope Francis has done this in such a stunning way. I love this image. This image of a man who many would be repulsed by, him, many would turn away from, but here is the Pope drawing close and kissing him. That's what shepherds do. It's so easy and it is so easy in our busy worlds to get caught up with all the pressures around us, the school runs, the challenges, the bills to pay, the pursuing our dreams and hopes and desires, love life, whatever you're trying to do to sort that one out. There's so many things going on all around us. Sometimes we forget 
space to be compassionate, to draw close to those around us. We're too busy to even notice at times the cries for help. Perhaps once again, we need to ask God, would you soften my heart? Would you break my heart with the things that break yours? Jesus' heart is moved by compassion. And then he moves on. It says that he, he begins to teach them many things. He guides them. He encourages them for a whole day. He's just inputting wisdom, life into their lives. And again, that's what shepherds do. Shepherds get alongside people. Shepherds speak truth. Shepherds encourage. Shepherds lift up. Shepherds stand against lies that people are thinking of themselves and they offer them a way forward. David Marquis, author of Turn the Ship Around, brilliant book on leadership, says this, leadership is communicating to people their worth and potential so clearly that they're inspired to see it in themselves. So many people around us are living in shame. They have so little belief in themselves and we need to get alongside them empowered by the Spirit of God just to speak truth and life and worth and value over them. Who around you are you investing in? Who are you gently, humbly encouraging? Who are you having some of those challenging, honest, heart-to-heart conversations about decisions that they're making in their lives, giving your time to walk alongside them. There's a world out there that needs shepherds who will teach and love. And Jesus is teaching and the people are so inspired, they're so blown away by it that they forget to eat. Now, I've never ever preached a sermon like that. Who's already starting to think about lunch? If you don't, you'll just discourage me. But uh, Jesus is preaching his heart out and they're hanging on his every word and they suddenly get to evening and they realise they are hungry. They are hungry. And what does Jesus do? What does the good shepherd do? He throws a banquet and he feeds them. This miraculous provision of food. Earlier we see Herod host a banquet for all the great, the noble, the wealthy. And that banquet leads to the death of John the Baptist. But here, Jesus, the good shepherds, hold a banquet for the poor, for the common, all over the region, gathered together and He feeds them and He brings life to them and blessing. Again, Mark is contrasting Jesus and Herod. Herod holds a banquet that leads to death. Jesus holds a banquet that leads to life. And Jesus has come to bring life in all its fullness and we need to awaken ourselves to the fact that the Spirit of God alive in us calls us and powers us to extend that life wherever we go. When you take time to have that conversation with a work colleague who's feeling overwhelmed or a bit confused about what they're meant to do and you just listen and you take time. When you choose to forgive that family member who's really upset you, when you choose to serve someone in need and give up your time. These are ways we're extending the life. We're feeding and we're loving and we're serving people all around us. It's interesting to note that Jesus gathers the masses. 5,000 men, if you include women and children, you're looking at way over 15,000. He gathers them together and he orders that they, be, um, that they sit down 
in groups on the green grass. I've also, that's such a weird like, bit of detail. But Mark includes that because he's wanted to make a key point here. In Psalm 23, perhaps one of the most famous passages of Scripture, we're told this, The Lord is my... I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. The shepherd in Psalm 23, he he gathers the sheep and he sets them down in green pastures. Now sheep will only lie down if firstly they feel safe, that the shepherd is close, that the shepherd is not going to allow any danger to happen to them. But secondly, if they're well fed and their thirst is quenched. So the shepherd here settles down the sheep who refreshes their souls. And Jesus here, gathering the people into groups to sit down on the green grass is saying, I am that shepherd. I am the one who can refresh your soul. I am the one who can provide for you so that you might lack nothing. I am the one who will feed you. Jesus lives a life showing us what being a shepherd is all about. Uh, We see, again, through Scripture, so often this contrast between bad shepherds, bad leaders, corrupt leaders, and good leaders, good shepherds. There's a passage in Ezekiel 34. We don't have time to read it. I'd encourage you, if you want to sort of dig into this a bit more, check it out. But it's the prophets standing against these corrupt leaders, shepherds. And they talk about these six failings of bad shepherds. Number one, we're going to fly through them. The weak are not strengthened. Number two, the sick are not healed. Number three, the injured are not bound up. Number four, the strays are not brought back home. Number five, the lost are not sought out. They're neglected and left. And number six, people are ruled with force and harshness. That's what bad leadership, bad shepherds do. But what was it Jesus came to do? When he lived here on earth for those 33 years, wherever he went, the good shepherd came and he strengthened the weak. The good shepherd came and he healed the sick. He laid hands on the sick and they were healed. He bound up the brokenhearted and the injured and he loved them and he cared for them and he gave them dignity and purpose. He went to find the strays, the prodigals, and he welcomed them home. He spoke of a father who would love without ceasing. He went to seek and save all who were lost. And forever now he rules and he reigns with a kingdom of justice and mercy and love. And he invites us to join him in shepherding a people who need to know all of these things, who need healing, who need hope, who need home, who need purpose, who need strengthening, who need hope to know that God rules and He reigns. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Last week, I had the joy of having dinner with a guy called Rob Parsons. Rob Parsons runs Care for the Family. And he was telling me the story when he just been married a couple of years and there's a knock at the door and standing in front of him was this young man. He, he vaguely recognised this young man called Ronnie. 
Uh, and Ronnie used to go to this church that Rob attended. Ronnie actually had grown up in the care system and someone would bring him to church. Um, but as he'd grown up, he'd moved out of the care system and Rob hadn't seen him for a while. And knock, knock at the door, there's Ronnie. And he's standing in one hand, he's holding a bin liner with all his earthly possessions. And in the other hand, he's holding a frozen chicken. <laughs> and Rob says, come on in, Ronnie. And they come in and they chat and Rob's wife, Diana, comes and she says, why don't I cook up this chicken and we could eat together. And so they spend the evening eating and talking and Ronnie is living in appalling conditions and is literally on the verge of homelessness. And Rob says, Ronnie, why don't you sleep the night here tonight? And he does. The next night, he says, Ronnie, stay over again, stay over again. Ronnie lived with Rob and Diane Parsons for 45 years. <laughs> he died recently. <clears throat> and Rob just spoke of the life and the joy and the blessing it was to have Ronnie live with them. He went to become a, a binman and uh, began to serve in the church and help Rob with the charity care uh, for the family. And Rob and Diana, in the most beautiful way, opened up their hearts and they opened up their homes and they welcomed Ronnie in. And that is what good shepherds do. And that is what the world needs now. Shepherds who will foster and adopt. Shepherds who will open up their homes to build community and family. Shepherds who will listen and empathise even when they're being criticised. Shepherds who will serve and give their time to help those in need. Shepherds who will go the extra miles. Shepherds who will dig deep relationally when it's complicated and challenging. Shepherds who will give sacrificially Shepherds who will uh, be willing to have those tough discipleship conversations and shepherds who will be willing to stand in the gap and protect people even when it means putting their own lives in danger. That is what God is calling us to do. And why, why should we live these lives being shepherds to a people without a sh shepherd? Well, we should do it because that is what the Good Shepherd has done for us. The Good Shepherd who came to lay His life down for each and every one of us. The Good Shepherd who says that we're all like sheep. We've all wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. But God piled on all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on Him, on Him. And He made a way for us where we deserve mercy, he showed us, sorry, where we, where we, he's shown us mercy when He should have shown us punishment. He's shown us compassion when He should have turned away. He's loved us unconditionally when no one else would have. And He's given us life when we deserve death. And that is what the world needs now. Amen. Why don't we stand and going to say goodbye to those at Gas Street South and I think Mike's going to share a few more things so good to have you with us we love you see you soon but one quick thing and then we're going to pray 
because this has to be a work of God's Spirit. We've put on um, the envelopes, a giving, sorry, to put on the chairs, a giving envelope. And uh, we want to encourage you, if you're not part, if you're not giving yet, um, if you maybe see this as your home church, you may be new here, you're settling in, but you haven't yet started to give, I want to encourage you to begin that journey. And you can take this envelope home. We're going to just encourage you just to pray. Ultimately, ask Jesus, what, what, what should I do? What should my giving look like for Gas Street? Because we believe, and we'll talk about this more at different times, that giving is part of our worship. It's a discipleship issue. Jesus spoke a lot about giving. I don't believe you can really be a part of a family and have skin in the game to be spiritually connected if in some way you're not giving, however small that might be. And we just want to encourage people. We're just aware that a lot of new people have joined over the last months. And so this is an invitation for you to take this envelope, to pray, you can do it all online and say, God, what, what are you calling me to do in terms of my giving? Because all that we're doing with Love Your Neighbour, with planting, with young people is only possible because of our giving, each and every one of us giving to this. So we're gonna ask you to take those home, pray that through and see what God might be saying. And if you wanna to talk to one of us, do get in touch. We'd love to chat that through. But what I wanna do now is I wanna pray for the Spirit of God to come. We've got 10 minutes. And, oh, it's a heavy time, isn't it? It's a challenging time. And we need God's Spirit. We're foolish to think we can do it on our own. I mean, it's amazing to see so many people packed in here today. This is a drop in the ocean compared to the needs in our city. How many Hundreds of thousands of people don't yet know the love of Jesus Christ and we can get all excited here, but the only hope is each and every one of us carrying the fire of Jesus wherever we go and we need His anointing. We need, I think for some of us, just to be shaken up a bit where your faith is just this nice little extra thing you have alongside your membership at the golf club or, you know, running club or whatever you're into, Zuma. Um, but actually this has to be everything. Jesus calls us to lay down our lives for Him, to take up our crosses. And it's then where He releases a blessing. So Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh on us? We thank you for all that you are doing. The amazing ways you're working, the lives that are being changed. But Lord, we dare to ask for more. We knock on the door of heaven and we say, Lord, we want to see more. We want to see more 10 year olds who've seen their fathers shot in gang crime come to Christ and being raised up to being leaders, amazing husbands, men, fathers. Lord, we long to see new areas like North Edgbaston where the, the, the need is so great being extended love and mercy, Lord. We long in our office places that people would be honest and open to share about how they're really doing and that there'd be opportunities for us to say, my hope is in the name of Jesus. It's not in my job promotion. It's not in my salary. It's not in the size of my house. It's in the God who stands and walks with me. Lord, I pray that you put a burning fire in us for evangelism, that we couldn't help but share what you've done. And Lord, give us a love, a love that breaks our hearts 
Lord, where we've hardened our hearts to try and manage the difficulties we face, Lord, break them. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be able to walk past people in need and not even be moved by it. Please, God, do it in me. Do I, I care about you, but Lord, do it in me. I need it. My family needs it. Do it in us, Lord. Come. Just wait. We're just going to wait for the Spirit to come. He's here. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.